Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Each and every day here on the Jeff Gawkins Show, Chris Harrington joins the program. Brad, let's fire it up. Now, it's Chris Harrington on the Grizzlies, Memphis, and more on 92.9's Jeff Gawkins Show. Presented by Church Health. Caring for people all around us. Give today at churchhealth.org. Take a picture here. Take a Chris, what are we listening to? That's uh, Cuyahoga by R.E.M. from their 1986 album, Life's Rich Pageant, a reference to the river that runs through Cleveland, uh, welcoming our guests to town tonight at FedEx Forum. Where does R.E.M. rank on the sports writers Mount Rushmore? I'm pretty sure, like, see if I got it right. It's The Boss... R.E.M., Chris Stapleton, are those the top three? <laughs> um, uh, Chris Stapleton's a comer, I guess. I, the, Springsteen is clearly number one. Yes, of course, I, obviously. I, 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 I think you know. I think he maybe has all four spots up there. <laughs> um, Actually, there's but, not even room for anyone else. <laughs> right, but R.E.M. is probably pretty high there. Yeah, uh, I just feel like like for a while it's like every fifth. Sports journalist uh, Twitter I saw is like I I really miss REM so and again I I like REM too but it it feels like it's disproportionate. All right, let's start with tonight because uh, this is a little bit of a a Styles makes fight night. Obviously, with it appears it looks like it's trending towards no Donovan Mitchell. He's downgraded from he was downgraded from questionable to doubtful tonight. But in general. When the Grizzlies have gone up against slower-paced teams, has there been a trend one way or the other? Um, I, that, that is not something I've looked at. I should have probably um, tipped you off. I apologize. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting, interesting notion. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I don't have a sense that that, that has been a thing. No, but it, it is interesting that they are contrasts in terms of pace. They are somewhat similar, otherwise structurally, in that these are the two. Statistically, on the season, these are the top two defenses in the league. Um, they're both good, not great offenses on the season. Um, they, they're both teams built, and we won't see it tonight probably with Mitchell not playing, but they're both teams that are built somewhat similarly in that they play their offense geared towards their backcourt, to, you know, 20 point scores in the backcourt. They both play big, true centers like, you know, gargantuan men and Jared Allen and Steven Adams. But then their defense is keyed by these long, versatile power forwards and Jaron Jackson Jr. and Evan Mobley. So in some ways, even though they play at different paces, structurally they're kind of doppelgangers of each other. In terms, in terms of 
I hate the whole redraft thing, but do you think it's entirely possible we look back and Mobley is going to be the guy that had the best career from that draft? Well, that was that was my thought going into the draft, or that was my thought coming out of last season. He's had he's had by some measures a little bit of a disappointing sophomore season, but so have most of those guys. You know, I mean, for one reason or another, whether it's performance or injury or whatever, you know, Scotty Barnes has, has not had a has not had a had a had a step forward. Kate Cunningham's not had a step forward, and so it's kind of true of all those guys. I, I would take if it, if that draft were redone today, I would take Mobley one. I would have taken him one at the time. Yeah, yeah, I was with you. I I fell in love with him, especially like West Coast when I'd be like late night up, and I'm like, ah, I just I love this guy. And part of it, admittedly, is because I thought he had the prettiest shot of all the big men, and so I was like, oh, this guy can be Durant. But I think the other aspect of everything we're talking about does that make you kind of at a certain point take a step back and think, you know, not only are the Grizzlies fortunate that you know if they would have gotten the number one pick, they're taking they're taking Zion just like everybody else would have taken Zion. But does it also maybe add another level of appreciation for John Morant because he really didn't has he hasn't had kind of the the step back or the stumble type year thus far? No, no, he ha- and I think you know we'll probably pass that barring injury related stuff. But um, it, it is true that with Ja, his second season was not the huge. It was not a step back, but it was not the huge leap forward yeah. that people anticipated. And I'd written before that season about the the year three was more likely. If you look at other players of his type, it had been the year three when, when players had boomed, and that's what happened with him. But his second season was not a disappointment. It just wasn't the explosion that, that some people were perhaps hoping until he got to the playoffs, and then it was. That's probably fair. And it also felt like, I think I, and now you're kind of reminding me, I felt like in when we got to the end of the season, I kind of wrote it off because of the schedule being so weird, you know, with that being COVID and then the way that the rhythm of the schedule, particularly in the regular season, it got so jam-packed. And then we saw in the playoffs when it got more to more space between games, we saw Ja kind of, we saw Ja really announce himself. I, I think that's kind of, you're right, though. I, I, I feel like I, in real time, kind of wrote it off. Yeah, I mean, you know, he won most improved last year in year three. Um, and, and that was that was really his his boom season. But he didn't take the step back that like Scotty Barnes has taken and some of these other guys have taken. What else fast is you about tonight? Um, you know, Jamie Bickerstaff returned. Good, you know, good for him. That's one of the real. I I really liked Bickerstaff when he was the coach here. But I didn't. I would not have predicted a he would get another opportunity, and b he would have the level of success he's had. So to me, that that's that's a great story, and, and, and you know the idea of him and Taylor Jenkins as you know two uh, coach of the year contenders, the guy who the Grizzlies got rid of and the guy they replaced him with, and, and that sort of adds to sort of the doppelganger aspect of it. The, the the idea that these teams are sort of mirror images, even though they're in different conferences and they play at different speeds, structurally they're kind of the same. Um. Even with Mitchell out, this is a better team than the Grizzlies have played probably since, you know, if you look at this winning streak, that first, not the first weekend of it, but I think maybe, I think games two and three in the 10 were that weekend home home against New Orleans and Sacramento. Sacramento yeah. yeah, I think like, those were good teams, even with, even with, with Brandon Ingram out or whatever. Those were good teams and really good wins. Since then, they've had a pretty favorable schedule. I think even at home, even with Mitchell out, this is a little bit of a step up in competition than, than the teams they played the last several games. And so that'll be that'll be interesting to see. In terms of 
let's let's go to the the home floor because this is kind of what I'm struggling with. Because when you look at the record, at a certain point, you know, to quote Bill Parcells, "You are what your record says you are." But in your mind, how real is this team being a dominant home team? Is this something that is somewhat schedule dependent, or are you more inclined to say, "Look at the numbers; the numbers speak for themselves." Oh, I think it's real in terms of the regular season. I'm not sure in playoff basketball if it's going to be that meaningful. Um, when you know the you don't have everyone in a playoff series, both teams are dealing with the same schedule in terms of the flow of, of rest and non-rest. Um, in, and in playoff basketball, you're dealing with a high level of opponent by, by you know by definition you, most of the time. And so I, I, I suspect that, that that effect is a little bit more of a regular season thing than a playoff thing, which not to say it won't, it's not real in the playoffs, but I think it's more of a thing in the regular season, I, I would guess. I think but, the, I think, but, but I think it's real in the regular season. Yeah, and I, and I guess like that's kind of the other issue. It's like, well, we won't really know until we'll know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like at a certain point, like, yeah. that, you, like that is part of sports. Like we're, we're going to have to watch and watch as we go. I think the other thing that kind of fascinates me about tonight is I'd mentioned to Brad, I have no idea. Can you recall who the 11th team was that the Grizzlies last year when the Grizzlies set the franchise mark at 11 in a row? Can you remember the game? Because I do not. I I don't. No, so, you, you got that handy? No, but this is why I bring it up. If the Grizzlies can take care of business tonight, I'll tell you what Lakers. I think I will remember. The Lakers on national right. TV for a franchise record. I've I just feel like it's setting up for kind of a big moment for the Grizzlies in particular when you consider their last kind of big national moments. I guess they did have a good day on Monday, but it felt like just even watching the TNT broadcast, it felt like more of the discussion was about what the hell's going on with the Suns than it was, look how good the Grizzlies are. Like, there was an element of that. I'm not even necessarily saying, like, that was wrong of them. I, I, I think they chose to latch onto the story that they thought was the most, you know, the most interesting but it does feel like, you know, if you can knock off LeBron on ESPN, like that maybe leave a little better taste in people's mouths than what they saw from the Denver Golden State the last time you kind of had the feature night. Well, I mean, the feature on MLK, but, but, um, but yeah, no, I, 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 that, that's a good point in that, you know, them hitting an 11, an 11 straight win if they get there on national TV against the Lakers will, I think, you know, draw, draw attention. I looked at it last year. So, the 11th win last year was home against Minnesota. The 10th, though, was home against Golden State. And then at Los Angeles was the ninth. And so they hit some of those games in that stretch last season. See, I I, I guess I kind of, now that you're saying that, I, like, I kind of remember it, but it's like even in... I, I, don't, I don't remember it. Yeah, it kind of it kind of all runs together. But I guess the other big question that I have is, because Mark and I were talking about this yesterday afternoon, obviously winning games matters. And winning a lot of games typically is a good indicator of you're a better team. But is there any correlation to teams that could go on winning streaks and, and whether or not like that ha- that yields future success? Because the thing that kind of the thing that I find a little bit interesting is kind of how the Grizzlies are treating this winning streak. And it feels like they're trying to be matter of fact about it. And I don't know if that's maybe psychologically a response to, hey, when they started talking a big game, they got popped you know, the day, you know, two days before Christmas, the non-Christmas day, and they're trying to be a little more workmanlike. What do you kind of make of even the way it feels like that the Grizzlies are treating the winning streak right now? Oh, I think, I think that, that, that is part of it. That's the, 
you know, when you go out and you have these high-profile games and you get smacked around, you should you shouldn't be you know pounding your chest when you're when you're beating. You know the, the the Pacers and and I don't remember I don't remember who they've beaten in this. You know, well, don't right? forget like the Spurs, but the, the Spurs, the Spurs the two Magic games and set, the Hornets yeah. and the Spurs mm-hmm. twice, and right. And so it's probably not best not to pound your chest too much about that. Um, you know, wait until you you come back around to those elite teams and then see what you do. Um, the other thing is that yeah, I mean they are you know they're a win away tonight from tying the franchise record for win streaks. This is still a Grizzlies franchise record, Correct. right? Like this is not, not nowhere not near a an NBA or record or a Lakers franchise record, right? And so, like, like I, I, I started to remember who had the biggest streak so far this season, and I don't know if this is right, but the one I remembered was Brooklyn, who hit that stretch, um, and they let's see, thirteen to twelve. So they 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 won. It looks like twelve in a row at one point this season, um, and so like you know, it's not. This is not like the world takes notice territory, a 10-11 game win streak. You get up to 15-16, then I think that then it becomes that. But at this point, it's not It's not that. Uh, Shout-outs to your brain. According to uh, champsorchumps.us, the longest winning streak in the NBA this year, the Nets at 12 that yep. started on December 12th or December 7th and ended on January 2nd. And then the Grizzlies are next at 10 the Bucks and Celtics have had nine-game win streaks uh, right behind them. Right. So, I mean, so, there I is an opportunity for good. the Grizzlies. There is an opportunity for the Grizzlies to have the longest win streak in the league. Yeah, and, and these and these are like the, like that. Those are you think about who can win a title. Like you know, the Celtics are the most obvious, and yeah. the Bucks are maybe the second most obvious, and then you have the Grizzlies, and like. Everyone knows the Nets have that upside. Uh, you know, people may not have faith in them maintaining it, but everyone knows they have that upside because of Kevin Durant. And so, like those are like you know, those are not fluky teams. Those those are the teams you would think, right? So it is a symbol of how good you are. Again, I don't remember exactly when when the uh, when the I can't remember if it was I think it was Mark Medina sent out the you know trying to do the the NBA midseason survey to like beat writers and whatnot, and the t- the thing that truly surprised me and again I don't really take offense to much of it it just surprised me because I was like what am I missing everyone was still in the media at least was still high on the Clippers what am I missing on that because I still don't understand that I I was surprised by that I I would so I'm I'm doing a mailbag column if I can ever dig out the time to do it Uh, maybe later today or tomorrow and one of my questions is is sort of along, you know, your standard, like what we talk about every day, like who's going to win the title. Um, and, and I was thinking about it, and the way I would tear it off today is I, I would have the Clippers in like the third tier. And I'd only go three tiers deep, but they would be down in the third one, right? Yeah. I, like I would have the Celtics, Bucks, Grizzlies, Nets, not Nets, Celtics, Bucks, Grizzlies, Nuggets in the top tier. The teams that, like, you know, the, those should be the, the four favorites. And then I would have the Sixers, the Warriors, and the Nets in my, you know, if they if they get everything together, these teams can, can, can easily do it too. And then you get to, like, the puncher's chance teams. Like, like, it could happen, but I would be very surprised. And the Clippers are one of, like, three or four teams I'd put in that category. Like, if, every, if absolutely everything came together for them exactly right, I can see it. But like it's not going to happen, and so I, you know, I, 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 I was surprised by that answer. It begs yeah. the question, you know, what I mean, like whenever uh, this, we, Jeff and I have always talked about this. 
whenever you start to get into like five or six ifs, if and that is the pro, that's yeah. that's the equation for you. Like, how many times does that ever happen? Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, I just that to me, like that's that's just too much that can. There's too much there that can go wrong, or that's too many things that have to go right, and that's just not the way sports works. But I kind of thought this was interesting. I don't know if you've read Hollinger's latest piece. He basically states he feels confident in saying at this point there's going to be a first time uh, there's going to be a first time finalist from the West this year, and he says the three are going to be the Nuggets, the Grizzlies, or the Pelicans. I guess I'll ask you yeah. first to evaluate if you agree with that that statement in general. Um, no, because I I I I think the Warriors have a better chance than the Pelicans, um, and. You know, I, I would give the Grizzlies and Nuggets both an edge over the Warriors, but I'm not confident in saying it will be like this is the universe of teams and it's only teams that, that fit this criteria because I think the Warriors are in that universe more so than the Pelicans. So I would not quite say that. I, I think I think there's a very good chance that will be true, but I don't have that level of confidence that John does. And and I and the Pelicans I would put in the same category, you know, with the Clippers and that third tier if everything comes together, but I really don't see it happening. I guess that's the other question I have. Do you think it is is the is the pushback that you would have that's too few teams or you're putting in teams that you think don't belong? Oh, I would flip. I, I would I would flip the Pelicans and the Warriors. And so if, if I'm going to, you know, when I talk about the tiers of teams, like I would I would not just do first year. I'd do, I'd do my, the, my two tiers. Like the teams that I would not be surprised if they got there would be the first two tiers. And so that from the West to me is, is the Nuggets, um, Grizzlies, Warriors, whereas I think the Pelicans and the Clippers are in my third tier of I can see it happening, but it would surprise me if it happened. And so my, my, my non-surprise teams in the West are going to be the, the, the Nuggets, Grizzlies, and Warriors. And so I, I, do, I do have a team there that obviously has done it before, including very recently. There seems to be kind of a prevailing sentiment. You know, if the Warriors can make a, a big deal and then get some guys back healthy, they'll be right back in it. The question, though, that I always have is when everyone just does the, oh, just make a deal and make a trade and, and, then, and then keep on rolling. Do they have the pieces to make a deal that makes that makes a difference? It's not you can always, in my opinion, well, make a deal to make a deal. It's just do you make one that makes a, a difference? What I would say about them is, and I don't look at this lately, but for most of the season, like their starting lineup has been one of the best lineups in the league. Like you know, when they put like the guys who they're going to play in the playoffs, you know, assuming they're healthy, like the the five or six guys they're going to give all the minutes to, like they they've been as good as anybody this year. Their bitch has, has has wrecked them, but that's kind of a regular season thing. Yeah. So I think a even even if they don't change anything, if they're healthy, they're going to shrink it down and shrink it down to players who who have not only done this before that have been doing it this year. Honestly, when they when they played together, and then B, I do think they they can bolster that, that depth. I, I mean, I, I think you would be selling low on a James Wiseman and a Moses Moody and guys like that, but, like, you wouldn't be selling them for nothing. You could trade those guys. If you're talking about trading those guys for a veteran seventh man who can play in your playoff rotation, like, I, I do think you could trade those guys for somebody like that. You can't trade them for a star. You can't trade them for, like, someone with star potential. Could you get Mason Plumlee to be your backup center? Like, you, you know, you're talking about that kind of thing. I do think those guys have enough speculative value 
you know, could you get PJ Washington or whatever well, from Charlotte? I, to, I, I'm glad you, you know, mentioned something the, like that. I'm glad you mentioned that because Bobby Markson his his trade piece. Uh, it seems like he's reading he's reading the Daily Memphian. He says Wiseman and Moody to Charlotte for PJ Washington, Jalen McDaniels, and Mason Plumley. In your mind, does that make them a better basketball team? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I would be looking to do that kind of thing. Unless I just really had faith in the future of those guys, I'd go ahead and cash them in and try to go for another title, you know, this year, next year, with, with, with the rest of this team that, that you've got left, yeah. Because I kind of agree with you. There's like the whole, well, maybe you're selling low. I think also, though, people make the mistake of thinking like, well, they can't get a whole lot lower. It's like, yes, they can. Like, the more and more yeah. you see, like, at least you can – I do still think you're at the point with Moody and Wiseman that if you get somebody to squint hard enough, they might like them. You know what I mean? The longer it goes on, the more, the less and less you might be able to find someone that even's like, well, if we squint, we can see what we can see the upside. Or, or, or you know, so many times trades are exchange of things that you know the other teams don't need, right? Right. And so you look at that 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 trade from Charlotte, like. Are those guys going to be on the next good Charlotte team? They're just not. And so, Love that band. It, yeah. <laughs> That's not a reference I was intending yes. to make. I, I, I make a lot of references. Yes. That is not one I was shooting for. Um, <laughs> and um, and so, like, you know, even if, even if it's not a sure thing on the future, at least it is something future-oriented. And so that's the kind of team where, like, I'd be – I trade Mason Bumley for whatever I can get that might have future value. You know, sure, if I'm the Charlotte Hornets. No, I, I think I think that makes reasonable sense from them. Although the only problem that I always see is just like trying to predict what Jordan, his front office, is going to do. Is like, ah, eh, I'm, I'm not really in that business. I know you have mentioned Malik Beasley as a potential option. If the Grizzlies were going to make a move, that's a guy that makes sense. If I he proposes Danny Green and Xavier Tillman Senior, Bobby Marks, that is and the 24 top 14 protected pick to Utah for Malik Beasley. I'm not saying would you do that. Could you give me a percentage likelihood that you think the Grizzlies will do that? Um, low. I mean, that, that is the, I mean, I did a trade column last week, and that yeah. is a trade I suggested. I, I didn't get that specific on like which the pick, yeah. your pick. Yeah. I just said a protected first-round pick. But that is like – that is – Exactly the trade that I that I sort of threw out there last week. Um, I don't expect the Grizzlies to do anything. Um, if they do, I think you know. I mean, I, I think that's something in the realm of the possible, and, and which is sort of why I threw it out there. I think there's a rationale for a deal like that, in part because Beasley has a player option for next season. So it wouldn't necessarily be just a one-year rental. You'd, you'd have him for two years, two playoff runs, and then he would come off the books before a Desmond Bain extension kicked in. So I think it actually lines up really well. Um, I, I think they're reluctant to shake up what they have, frankly. And 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 if they think Danny Green can help them in the playoffs, I think they'd rather just roll with that instead of giving up a first-round pick because they've been so good at using those picks on players. So I'm, I don't really anticipate the Grizzlies doing anything. Um, if they did, I think that's like the highest end of what you might see is something like that. And if not that, like a lower, you know, Danny Green and a second-round pick for somebody. But to me, that's only if they don't think Danny Green can help. And, and you know, maybe between now and the trade deadline, they actually get him on the floor and get a better sense of that. But presumably behind the scenes are getting a sense of that. And my sense has been that they think he's going to play. 
Well, because the other point that Marks makes, and I know you've made it too, is Zach Clemens made 27 moves in his time as running the Grizzlies. Two have been during the regular season, and the last one was in 2020. That that was kind of a clear rebuild point. Like, And, you know, even Danny Green on his podcast has mentioned, you know, the Spurs never really made moves during the regular season. There's clearly, you know, there's clearly Spurs influence, at least in the Grizzlies. I think the one thing that interests me is I feel like really the only way that the Grizzlies are going to make a move right now is if Ja says let's make a move and I just don't foresee that you know what I mean like it's it just doesn't I don't get the sense that this team feels like they need something more right now they have not reached that any kind of pressure point yeah you know exactly that's a better way of phrasing it yeah and and even I'm not sure even if they, you know, if they fell short of their seeding, I'm not sure they'd hit that this summer. They might, but I, but they're definitely not there right now. Not when you know you're tied for first in the West and you're on this winning streak and everyone's playing well and you know and and yeah, you need stuff. Do I like? Do I think Malik Beasley's a better bet to help you in the playoffs than John Conchar? Yeah, uh, yeah. Or, or even Zaire Williams? Yeah, but that that's what we're talking about here. You know, I mean. It, the one thing that would be interesting to me is if <clears throat> O.J. Ananobi was really available and whether they would, because that would be something you would you would be shaking things up. You would be you would be you'd be taking some risk in terms of your long term salary structure. You'd be taking a risk in terms of your chemistry. You'd be taking a risk of messing with something late in the season that's currently humming, and that would be something they'd really have to sit sit down and think about. Um, I, but I don't. Again, I, I don't. You know, I propose some stuff. I think there's logic in doing some stuff. But I, I, I think it's a, it's a relatively low percentage proposition they're going to do anything. Chris, we appreciate it, my man. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.